This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn more about Reynolds' online retailing approach by visiting reyrey.com forward slash retail anywhere. That's reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, August 25th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Mercedes flips the switch on EV production in Alabama. California moves closer to banning gasoline-powered vehicle sales. And Ford hikes the price of the Mustang Mach-E. Plus, we'll meet the incoming CEO of the Center for Automotive Research in Ann Arbor. These organizations are having to change the skill sets, they're having to change their processes, they're having to change their workforce. So uh, I think it's an area that CAR can really provide some value to OEMs, to suppliers, to policymakers, uh, to municipalities. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. A critical initiative in Mercedes-Benz pursuit of EV frontrunner Tesla is now up and running in Alabama. Today, the German luxury automaker announced the start of production of its first U.S.-made electric crossover. It's a battery-powered version of the GLS SUV called the EQS. Mercedes' 6 million square foot assembly plant in Vance, Alabama, will be the sole source of the full-sized EQS. It's slated to roll into U.S. stores in the fall. The U.S. factory is one of seven EV production sites on three continents. It could deliver more than 100,000 EVs next year, or about a third of its 305,000 unit annual capacity. More EV production might be good news for Mercedes drivers and dealers in America's largest auto market. California is poised to phase out sales of nearly all new gas-burning cars by 2035. That's under rules that state regulators are expected to approve today. It's a move that could dramatically accelerate the transition to EVs nationwide if other states follow suit. Governor Gavin Newsom first announced the 2035 goal in an executive order two years ago. The new rules spell out the path to reaching it. Ford is raising the starting price of the Mustang Mach-E electric crossover by at least $3,000 and as much as $8,000, depending on the trim. The automaker cites rising material costs and supply chain constraints that have wiped out the vehicle's profitability. The largest price hike comes on the California Route 1 all-wheel drive extended range, which will cost almost $65,000, including shipping. That's up from about $57,000. The cheapest model, the Select Rear-Wheel Drive Standard Range, will now cost just over $48,000 with shipping. The MSRP of that and the All-Wheel Drive Standard Range model has been increased by $3,000. And two industry experts say it will be tough for automakers to meet battery and mineral sourcing requirements in the Inflation Reduction Act's new EV tax incentive program. But both say companies are already looking for creative ways to meet the component and raw material sourcing requirements that start kicking in next year. Alex Partners Managing Director John Lohr believes the mineral sourcing requirements will be the toughest for automakers to meet. They've already tried to localize the assembly of the batteries in the U.S. and in other regions around the world. I think the challenge will be how to reach deeper upstream into the raw material sourcing. Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago policy advisor Kristen Gicek says despite the challenging requirements, the new law still represents a big opportunity for automakers. 
it pushes them a little faster and a little farther maybe than they want it to be, but it puts the possibility of consumer incentives back on the table for the two automakers that were capped out and the three or four that were on the verge of being capped out. So it, it reinvigorates um, the consumer incentive market. Laura and G-Check were speaking during Automotive News' LinkedIn Live event yesterday. You can see the full conversation on Automotive News' LinkedIn page. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, Mercedes-Benz is up and running their Alabama plant building that EQS EV. Uh, is this an example of possibly more foreign influence coming into the United States to take advantage of that Inflation Reduction Act? We certainly should expect a lot more EVs to be made in the U.S. by all automakers, especially if they want to sell in California. In this case, we know that uh, Mercedes was already planning this before the Inflation Reduction Act was a thing, but it's really a strong proof of concept for the idea that automakers with the right product can make it in the U.S., make their EVs in the U.S., sell them worldwide, and make money on it. Coming up, we'll hear from the new president of the Center for Automotive Research in Ann Arbor. Alan Amici joins us next on Daily Drive. Customer wants to sign documents remotely? No problem. Customer wants to provide documentation and their driver's license in person? No problem. Customer wants to have their vehicle delivered? No problem. There are a lot of steps to complete a car deal, but what happens when customers start online and end in store, or vice versa? You need a seamless, consistent process to start work and finalize every vehicle purchase, no matter where the customer is. Chris Walsh, president of Reynolds & Reynolds, explains how. Retail Anywhere is, is powered by the retail management system. So the retail management system is the engine that, you know, that kind of makes this all work. And it's based on the premise that customers can be anywhere, right? They can be in-store, they can be at home, they can be a hybrid of both. It doesn't really matter, but it's a single process of interacting with that customer. And that's, you know, really important to be consistent in that way. And it's only achievable through a single system like the retail management system. Regardless of where the customer is buying from and how, Retail Anywhere focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this holistic approach to digital retailing, visit rayray.com forward slash retail anywhere. That's reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. The Center for Automotive Research in Ann Arbor is a nonprofit organization that researches critical issues for the automotive and mobility sectors. CARS Yearly Management Briefing Seminars, or MBS, in northern Michigan bring together industry leaders for forums on some of the automotive world's biggest challenges and opportunities. Earlier this month at this year's MBS, CAR announced its new leader. Alan Amici will start his role as CEO next week. He's joining Carr after a 30-plus year career with Chrysler and TE Connectivity, where he held various positions in engineering, manufacturing, and service. I got a chance to talk with Amici this week. Here's our conversation. Alan Amici, welcome to Daily Drive. Hello, Jamie. Nice to be here. Nice meeting you. Next week, you take over as CEO of the Center for Automotive Research in Ann Arbor, following Carla Bello's retirement. Carr does a lot of important work on a lot of important topics but it's probably best known for the management briefing seminars in Northern Michigan near Traverse City. When I was a young reporter, it was a week-long event, lots of C-suite, automaker executives. 
in recent years, though, uh, even before COVID, it had gotten shorter, kind of smaller. What's the future of the management briefing seminars? The management briefing seminars um, have been kind of a mainstay for the automotive industry, as you suggest. And and certainly during the pandemic, it's been you know difficult to have in-person events and, and conventions and such. So uh, the last two years have been rather difficult for MBS. This past year, though, had a really robust turnout, had really a terrific um, agenda that the content was really um, uh, robust. And and I think it's finding its place again. And and MBS has, is really a great brand for car. It's really known across the industry and it still attracts top talent in the industry, whether they're at OEMs or tier ones or or even in um, organizational leadership functions. So anyway, those are some thoughts on MBS, but have a, a bright future for MBS. I, I think it's a, uh, an important brand and important component of car. Well, that's good to hear. I had heard some rumors, people saying they thought it was going away and uh, that would be a real loss. I, I think so. I think that's premature to say that. So Tell me uh, what you see for the rest of CAR. What's, uh, what is the, the mission? Are there any new, new efforts? Or what are the, the key areas that, that you fo- want, want to focus the research on? Well, it, you know, as you suggest, Jamie, CAR's role is really to educate, inform, and advise stakeholders to enable a safer, more sustainable mobility industry. And CAR will remain committed to independent research, you know, essential to its core values. There are a couple of areas, though, I think CAR can consider expanding. And the first is the geographic reach. The transportation industry is growing well beyond just the Great Lakes region. And this is seen in the southeastern United States, uh, down in Texas, out in California. And I think this is an opportunity for CAR to provide some research for the municipalities that are building assembly plants or have acquired battery plants. And of course, we will continue to support our, our Great Lakes region. You've mentioned expanding sort of beyond the Midwest. Are there other opportunities to expand to sort of ancillary industries to the auto industry? I'm thinking adjacent industries like um, utilities that are having to adapt to the influx of and the advent of uh, mass market electric vehicles and all that. Mm -hmm. There are some adjacencies, certainly in the trucking industry, in the utilities, in terms of the grid, especially with the notion of are municipalities ready for EV infrastructure? You know, are they are they ready to deploy charging stations, and what impact does that have to the particular municipality? I would say CAR is going to retain its focus on the mobility portion. I think we're going to reach out into working with utilities, public utilities, working with uh, federal, local, and state governments. I think we're going to remain focused on the mobility portion of that for the uh, not too distant future. Mm-hmm. So in your career, you spent a good amount of time at uh, Fiat Chrysler Automobiles. Uh, you were the head of Global Uconnect, which the heralded infotainment and connected car platform, uh, as well as head of electrical and electronics engineering. And these are some really crucial areas for the industry right now. Will they be areas of emphasis for car for the Center of Automotive Research? Well, I think, Jamie, if you look at the mega trends in the industry, which are primarily three, there's, of course, electrification, the democratization of advanced driver assist systems, and autonomous vehicles, very heavily into the electrical and electronics and software development technologies. And so just looking forward to you know, what are the areas of where research is required or what are the areas that OEMs are really 
kind of grappling with these big changes. I think it's a natural that it'll be in EV, autonomous vehicles, advanced driver assist systems, you know, software development. So, and these companies, uh, you know, the OEMs globally are really grappling with this migration from internal combustion engine propulsion to electrification. I mean, it, it's coming and uh, these organizations are having to change the skill sets. They're having to change their processes. Uh, they're having to change their workforce. So uh, I think it's an area that car can really provide some value to OEMs, to uh, suppliers, to policymakers, uh, to municipalities. When were you at FCA? Was that the only version of Chrysler you worked at? Oh, I started uh, 30 years at Chrysler. So I began oh. <laughs> in, in Highland Park when it was really Chrysler Corporation and uh, through the acquisition of American Motors in the late 80s. I also lived and worked in Stuttgart, Germany when it was called Daimler Chrysler. And then later I lived and worked in Torino, Italy with Fiat Chrysler Automobiles. Wow, that's uh, yeah, quite the journey with, with Walter P's company. It, it is. And, and so it's a company that's really evolved. There were really three or four different different companies and different operating systems, you know, under the guise of Chrysler, Daimler Chrysler, or Fiat Chrysler Automobile. So it really emphasized the need to be flexible, you know, to be able to adapt and be willing to consider new ways of doing business. It was an incredible experience. It was a fun ride. Yeah, a lot of uh, some some bumps along the way, I'm sure, but uh, but a lot of learning opportunities with the ver- variety of owners and and strategies over time, and uh, and of course the the challenges of operating in in constraints. You also were at TE Connectivity. When was that? I joined TE Connectivity um, after I uh, left Chrysler. So this was this was my most recent corporate position was with TE Connectivity. I was the CTO of Transportation Solutions there. TE Connectivity is a $14 billion company that provides electronic components to all industries, uh, including the auto industry, but they're involved in aerospace and defense. Uh, They've got parts on the Mars rover. They provide components to the energy industry, medical industry, and consumer electronics. I see you are also, uh, then then, uh, after that, you were uh, working on a PhD at Wayne State University. Is that something that's close? Is it something you'd be able to finish, or do you have to walk away from that to take this new job? No, no, I don't want to walk away from that. I'm I'm probably uh, uh, a little bit more than halfway through my curriculum at Wayne State University in Detroit. I'm in the process of developing my thesis, and it's been really uh, re-energizing. So I'm going back to school after you know, being away from academia for 20 or 30 years. It's exhilarating. It's fun to be learning again. Um, doing research is really fantastic. And and I think that will really help uh, understand my role at CAR a little bit better as well. And Wayne State's a great university uh, located in the city of Detroit. It's a, just a fantastic learning institution. And I'm really happy to have joined Wayne State as a student. So you said you're still working on it, but can you tell us generally what it's about, what the topic area is? Oh, sure. My research is on innovation. And uh, specifically, this is about the innovation that occurs in the downside of business cycles. So when when the economy is going well and businesses are growing, there's quite a bit of money and effort and time invested in these innovation teams. And they go through that process of uh, working with startups and developing new technologies and figuring out how they would fit into the you know, larger company. But the the downside is that when the economy turns around and you go through a natural downside of a business cycle, what happens to these innovation teams? And oftentimes these innovation teams are reduced in size or sometimes even eliminated to save money. And uh, then you go through this rather costly and inefficient cycle of eventually building a new innovation team and starting together. So the research is aimed at 
how can organizations have an innovation process or an innovation team that is sustainable throughout a, the downside of a business cycle? Oh, very interesting. And uh, unfortunately, possibly something will the industry will all be grappling with <laughs> uh, before long. But uh, it's been through uh, we, the cycles have been a little a little out of sorts since COVID came along. Any final thoughts as we wrap up our time here today? I think the auto industry is going through some enormous changes. And, you know, if you look back uh, in the 1950s was a significant change. Automobiles went from six-volt electrical systems to 12-volt electrical systems, and we've had that for the last 60 years. The internal combustion engine has been around for over 100 years. This is really seismic changes in the industry as you, as you, move, as you migrate from internal combustion engines to EVs. And uh, the, you know, the, the stresses that the OEMs are seeing, changing all of their processes, changing their workforce, changing their business models, and the downstream effects beyond just engineering and manufacturing, but also service and, and infrastructure and utilities. And you know, it's just seismic changes to the industry, an absolutely fascinating time to, to watch and participate in what's been going on the last couple of years. Indeed it is. Alan Amici, incoming CEO of the Center for Automotive Research in Ann Arbor. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Jamie. Good to see you. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on automotive research, electrification, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with the co-hosts of Service Drive Live about the movement to improve or eliminate the customer satisfaction index as a representation of customers' experience in dealership service departments. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.